The Lead Story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. Time to dig into our lead story this evening, and uh, we're quite enjoying this uh, whole new approach from Trusco to come and chat to us on a regular basis. Quinn van Rooyen, welcome to the studio. Gary, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, and thanks for being available to chat about it. Right, you guys put out um, uh, the headline for the uh, press release that we entitled was Trusco to raise $2.4 billion Namibia dollars from uh, shareholders to tap into Namibia's economic potential. So in a, in a good journalistic style, the headline encapsulates the story. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, Gary, it's been a piece of work that's been in the making probably the better part of 12 months. You know, we only could bring it to the market now once we've, you know, done all the compliance work and the stuff in the background. Um, we've alluded alluded to a portion of this um, late last year. Um, so the 2.4 billion is is made up of a one and a half billion roughly shield alone that's been converted into equity, and then a roughly billion million dollars of cash to existing shield that will be issuing fresh equity. Okay, so let's dig into it. There's two parts to this. Um, the first, which uh, on the face of it is a is a, a fund called the Risk of Its Value Fund, um, run by Protea Fund Managers um, out of London, um, and are entering into an option to make a cash investment of up to nine hundred and fifty million into Trusco. So just unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, sure. Um, so Risk of Its Value Fund, long time shareholder in Trusco Group, better part of of ten years. We've done uh, numerous capital raises via that fund, um, some in the listed space. We've done some convertible debt instruments with them before. We've done uh, a huge um, private investment via them in Legal Shield Holdings, which is the entities locally that hold insurance companies and the property portfolios. So a long-time partner of Trusco, a very successful capital raising history we've had together. And, uh, you know, they raised the bulk of their funding out of, out of the U.S. Out of the US markets and, and specifically endowments from, from the Ivy League uh, universities. So, um, long-time partner, board seats, everything up for grabs, uh, and you know it's it's fresh liquidity for the company and the country. All right. Now, I just read into that sentence. We'll enter into an option to make a cash investment. That seems to suggest that that isn't cash is on the table. Shares are being traded. What? Uh, Unpack the option for us a little bit. Yeah, so the process is typical, the process you go through. Um, we had to go the option route because uh, we need to incorporate a couple of changes in our MRI. We need to enlarge the um, issued share capital and authorized share capital of the company because it's a substantial number of shares that we're issuing that in conjunction with the convertible that we're doing. So uh, quite, a, quite a lengthy compliance process that we have to go through. Um, and that's why we opted for the option route. You know, we, we put a pin in the ground on, on the commercials of it, the pricing, the timing, the off and when, when, what should happen. But this gives us the room to com- run through the JC processes, circular, shield, votes, GMs, everything that needs to happen. That will probably all transpire in the next three to six months. And then the option period opens up for Riskovitz to, to invest. Okay. And what are the metrics? I mean, what are the variables that uh, options are typically taken by people who want to have a little bit of wiggle room in the negotiations? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so. so why aren't they convinced if they've been long-term shareholders? So like like I said, specifically, they want to have a look at how it pans out with the other transactions. It's not this this, this transaction in, in isolation. Um, metrics of the specific options we'll make um, public in, in the next couple of weeks. But it's a typical option that that looks at the net asset value per share. It has a little bit of a discount to that. Um, factor in a time period that they have in which they can exercise a certain amount of options. If that window is missed, the price goes up, et cetera, et cetera. So sort of a disincentive not to drag fee too long. Right. Okay. 
So let's um, turn to the second part of this deal, and uh, this is perhaps the one that um, could be looked at from a number of different aspects. Uh, it, it's a little bit disingenuous to regard to Dr. Quinton van Rooyen as a external independent shareholder uh, making all sorts of wise decisions. He's uh, intricately linked to the company as the founder. Um, so, so unpack how you guys have positioned this particular transaction. So this loan conversion or this liability that Trusco Group sits, I must, I must take a few steps back and explain where it comes from. Um, so the founder, Dr. Gunnar van Rijn, uh, borrowed $1.5 billion to Trusco um, during the period, speaking a little bit under correction, I think 2012 to 2019, and that funding was used to invest in the mining assets that the group have. Now, uh, if you remember, if, it, if you remember 12 months ago, we had a, a, a spat with the JSE where how those loans and the write-off of those loans had to be treated. Ultimately, the, we went to court, the JSE ruled, and we had to reinstate those loans back on the balance sheet and give back the shares that we issued for that conversion. So that's where that $1.5 billion liability comes from. Ultimately, it was used to acquire the, the resources, assets of the group. But we find ourselves now the company in a position that we've got a liability that we have to deal with. So we went back to the shareholder, to the founder, and started a negotiating process of how do we want to deal with this, this liability and because it does have terms in um, and we ultimately settled on on a convertible instrument that we will convert that that liability into fresh equity. Um, as an outsider looking at the company, um, I mean, a question that that would naturally rise from this is how how straightforward or difficult is it to do arm's length transactions when no, it's extremely difficult when you're effectively sitting with a family owned business for the most part of it, who also happens to be the major debtor who's also the driving force. No, it's, it's not, not easy to say the least. Um, the, the JSE have got a very specific process that has to be fo- followed in this case for related party transactions. Circulars posted, um, you know, shareholders must vote and this specific shareholder is excluded from that vote so only the minorities can vote on it. Um, you need fairness opinions from different experts so they do take a very um, stringent look at whether this related party transaction is fair for the company fair for the remaining shareholders and then ultimately it gets put to a vote whereby you know the related party cannot vote so it is a complicated process we've done it before how did that vote go uh, we must still post the circulars so that will happen in the next two to three weeks uh, sorry two to three months but we've done related party transactions before and we got the votes as was required okay a- another way to perhaps view um, an alternative way to view these sets of transactions would be Trusco's got some serious cash flow issues to deal with and a balance sheet that doesn't allow the raising of, of external debt and is going back to shareholders to say, let's restructure things and put some things in place that provide uh, at least an edifice of credibility to external debtors. Um, and uh, the $1.5 billion loan, while technically at an accounting level, could also be seen as a write-off by shareholders to you know improve the debt position because that's a huge amount of drag on the balance sheet. And so this could also be interpreted as being quite a desperate act from Trusco at this stage. Well, I can tell you the shareholder that gave that $1.5 billion loan wrote that off. And the JSE forced us to restate it and bring it back on the on the balance sheet. Um, so it is a sort of reverse engineering to try and solve for liability that the group is not supposed to or won't plan to have on his balance sheet. Right. So... It, it is a peculiar situation how to, how to handle the specific one. And, you know, the intention of the shield was never to 
have a liability and get it back in, 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 a, in a sort of loan basis. It was always a convertible instrument. It was always going to be an equity play in it. So um, we, we, you know, from the company's point of view, you know, when the regulator makes a ruling, the court makes a ruling, you comply and you fix it from there. All right. So further down in the uh, in the release, it speaks about uh, Trusco acquiring an additional 11.35 percent in Legal Shield Holdings. Um, that doesn't, on the face of it, seem to be a particularly significant transaction, going from 80 percent to 91.3 percent. Is that someone looking to duck? No. So it's uh, from Riskovitz Holding Fund. Um, they acquired 20 percent of Legal Shield Holdings during 2018 for 1.2 billion million dollars, and. Uh, it's in the private. It's in the private space, and their fund has transitioned more to the public space. So they had to make a exit on that private space, and they offered it first to us. That's a shareholders' agreement, and we're buying it back. Okay. Um, assuming you can navigate successfully these uh, these various hurdles that still lie ahead on this particular set of transactions, what uh, what exciting projects are in the in the mix for two thousand and twenty four? Well, twenty four. I must first talk about Namibia. I mean, Namibia's got some extremely exciting prospects in the next 24 months. I think we all know about the resources. You know, we've got we've got um, foreign nationals moving into the country. Uh, you know, the natural resources space is going to really kickstart the economy and all the spin-offs that's come from that. So we look at the, the growth of, of the economy. Um, our focus is with this capital raise specifically is to invest the, the, the bulk of that into Namibia and basically into our existing project. If you think about projects like Elysium, um, you know, that requires some funding to kickstart the next stuff, uh, you know, the lending space. That's, there's a lot of appetite. So Namibia focused in our existing projects over the next 12 to 24 months. But they're all going to require cash. Absolutely. So let's uh, just lastly, you referred to the JSE. Obviously, you're a publicly traded company and uh, to a large extent does make maneuvering somewhat more difficult. Um, when trying to fix balance sheets and, and present perhaps a, a cleaner face than might have been the case, uh, we've got to look at how the markets have reacted. Uh, on very thin trading, the markets haven't really reacted to this news. So would it be fair to interpret that either it's not really significant in the long-term trajectory or they're going to wait and see how it pans out? I, I think my personal view is a wait-and-see approach, Gary. Um, we haven't seen lots of liquidity in the share in the next in the last 24 months, purely because um, you know everything was on hold until we settled to the JC. So I think it's going to take some time to recover. And a lot of these uh, cash that we're raising is also for specific share buybacks. So there are shareholders that that's looking to 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 exit, and there'll be cash available to do that. And just lastly, I'm in the share trading at the moment in a relatively narrow band, around about fifty cents a share. Uh, that is nearly ten percent up on the last month. But if we take a, a look further back over the three and a five year period, uh, nearly ninety six percent down on highs from five years ago. Um, you would obviously then be saying this is a a good time for you guys to be buying discounted value. Exactly, Gary. And if you look at the underlying assets that the business owns, nothing has changed. We still sit with some of the largest properties in the country, you know, micro-lending space, the resources assets. Nothing has changed at the bottom. So um, we think the share is extremely undervalued and we're going to buy back as much of it as we can. Quentin van Rijnjeer, thank you so much for joining us in studio. Gary, thank the lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact.